Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we coming from our basement to your headphones. Really even know who we are, but changing the unknown in a wild time. Thank you for downloading the podcast, Theanos. Now, here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. Winter is over, everyone. We are back. Welcome to another season of the podcast, Theanos. Um, everyone said that we would be long dead by now, Eric, but here we are still uh, back for round two. How was your winter break? It's good. You know, uh, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I've forgotten everything I once knew about baseball. Baseball has just been purged from my skull, like like something bad that you would purge. But now, fresh beginnings. We're going to start anew. It'll be great. Yeah, last season wasn't bad, but I think that there are certainly mm. parts that having purged them from your memory is not a bad thing. Right. Uh, I filled it with baseball, or excuse me, football and disc golf, and now that's, you know, now it's time for baseball again. American football or the European footballs? Uh, yeah, uh, American football. I watched some of that. Did you enjoy the Super Bowl? Um... I don't know. Right. I was kind of rooting for the, the for the Falcons, which was a mistake because uh, at the end, the inevitable happened and the Patriots won. Did you enjoy the, the Lady Gaga performance at halftime? I feel like all of Twitter is like, yes, she did an amazing job. And I'm like, it was a concert. Like it was it was fine. She was she's a good singer. She did a good performance. But I didn't necessarily think there was anything that was like um, unique or standout ish about it. I have a really embarrassing confession. Oh, here we go. Uh, I'm an adult, and I put my child to bed during halftime, oh. which was very responsible. But I feel like I'm neglecting my responsibilities as a pop culture uh, enthusiast. Enthusiast, I, I, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but uh, one thing I found interesting, I was reading about it. Did you believe that she really jumped down? Yes. Should I not have? You should not have because that was all faked. Oh, they pre-recorded that. the the um, The jump, I guess, was fabricated. Oh, I, I actually fake don't, news. I don't fake care. News. It fooled me. So clearly, it wasn't it wasn't bad entertainment. I'm okay with that. I love the bliss of ignorance. <laughs> the The thing that I found ignorant about the whole situation is that once again, my girl Taylor Swift was not who was featured at halftime. It's got to be this year, right? 
You'd think you'd have more sway. What's the deal, Hall? Yeah, I'll, I'll put in a tweet at NFL Commish, although I kind of burned some bridges um, with him <laughs> during the Super Bowl. I'm not, I wasn't really into either of the teams. I like Brady. You know, he's a Michigan man. But I did enjoy thoroughly seeing him um, unhappy and booed. That was that was fun. Uh, you know, seeing the Giants experience, not the football giants giants of their craft the man experience some pain yeah, yeah the man experiencing pain is, is is good enough football though that's if and if twitter during the super bowl taught me anything it's that football is over and we can all focus on spring training are you ready yes the tigers are tied for the division lead We are. Um, If you want to get in touch with the show, you can. uh, You can reach us at podcastianos.com. On the Twitter, I am at JordanHall23. Eric is at ComericEric. And the show is at Podcastianos. And once again, if you want to follow my uh, fire emoji Instagram feed, of course, it's at Jordino4. And I'll spell that for you. J-O-R-D-I-N-H-O. And as always, we'd love it if you would take the time to subscribe rate and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever other podcast platform you happening to be you happen to be listening to the show on. Good job, Jordan. You said that all flawlessly. I'm Blaine Hardy and you're listening to the podcast Yanos. We are thrilled to be joined now by Evan Woodbury, who covers the Tigers, uh, works the beat, so to speak, for M Live. Uh, Evan, thanks so much for spending some time with us tonight. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you joined our little Tigers family partway through the year last year. What are some of your first impressions, city, organization, fan base? Yeah, I came in uh, right in the right after the All-Star break, really. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's weird because I've been doing this for almost 15 years, but uh, had done primarily football. And, uh, you know, so it was really – it was weird being at this point in my career and, and being kind of thrown into something where I wasn't sure what I was doing for the, for a good part of the – the latter part of the season, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it, Detroit reminds me a lot of, of Cleveland, which is my hometown where I'm from. There are a lot of similarities, both in, in the place and the people, both the city and the suburbs. Um, and you know, I, I enjoyed the team as well. It was, uh, getting to, getting to, to know the team, getting to know some of the, the fans, uh, some of the followers, uh, was a lot of fun. And it's, you know, for me, I'm I'm looking forward to this first full season because uh, I feel like I know know what I'm doing a lot more than I did did three months ago. I feel like I know the team a lot better, and I, I feel like I'm going into going into Lakeland uh, with a pretty good idea of what I'm doing. Whereas uh, in July, I was I was just kind of figuring it out as I went along. So, Evan, I'm curious, what are some of the uh, the differences between covering the NFL and covering baseball, and also, I'd like to know what is a pecune. <laughs> I think, and I could be wrong. Picayune means like uh, it doesn't. It's like a. It's an old-fashioned term, wasn't it? Like in Tom Sawyer or something. A picayune is like a, a fool or an idiot. Like a picayune, like a very provincial person. <laughs> Whatever you say, we will definitely believe. Yeah, I'll I'll, believe I'm it. gonna have to Google this when I when I'm done with this. But uh, hopefully, I'm not totally wrong. But no, I have no idea what the origin of that, as far as a newspaper name was was concerned. Yeah, maybe uh, I should like tell you. Yeah, so I, I believe you're with the Times Picayune, which is the the New Orleans new, newspaper. And, correct. Correct. Yeah, and so we've established no one knows what that means. But uh, yeah, <laughs> back to the work there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, what's the difference between covering football and covering baseball? Uh, 
it was a huge difference and honestly much bigger than I could have imagined. Uh, I, I would say that and I don't want to paint a picture of baseball as being all rosy and everybody's happy and loves each other because that's not, not the case at all. But it, the NFL is 100% adversarial all the time. I mean, even the most routine questions are adversarial. Mm-hmm. The entire structure from a media relations perspective in the NFL is to thwart you at every turn and to make your life as inconvenient and difficult as possible at every turn. And, you know, there's a culture of fear that emanates from the top uh, just because paranoia is the name of the game in the NFL. And, and so therefore, you know, even executives are afraid to be seen with you because, or to be seen talking to you uh, just because there's that paranoia that, that kind of permeates every aspect of the organization. And it goes down to the players, too, even most of whom would be very happy to, to deal with you on a normal basis. But even they, uh, especially the ones that aren't real secure in their jobs, can also have the, the impact of that paranoia that comes from above. And I would say that's just the Saints, but it, it's the Saints and a lot of other teams, including, I think, the Lions, where that, uh, that's, that attitude is kind of is, is pretty much standard operating procedure in the NFL. So Coming to baseball, and again, it's not, you know, a kumbaya and we're holding hands all the time. And, you know, there are conflicts in baseball, too. And, and obviously, over the course of 162 games, they get sick of seeing you and you get sick of seeing them. I mean, that's just natural. But in general, the atmosphere is different. It's a lot more laid back because there are 162, to, 162 games. Every win or loss is not the end of the world. Uh, you know, it's not like in the NFL where you have to act like your your grandmother died in, in the losing locker room because, you know, you have to act somber uh, because you have to, it's it's the end of the world. You know, games yeah. games are significant. So it's a little bit different in baseball. And, and I think because it's a more daily routine, you know, there's always a game in a, it, the next day. There's always a game coming up in a few hours. So it's never the end of the world. It can be a little bit more laid back, can be a little bit more relaxed. And, you know, you do get to know the players a lot more than you do in the NFL because it is, is a, a daily uh, daily routine. And sometimes that's for better and sometimes that's for worse, but but it, it's a different atmosphere. And, you know, I, I, frankly, I think the Tigers do a good job, too. I mean, it, I think, uh, you know, Brad Osmus is great to deal with. Al Avila, uh, who I'm told is very different than Dame, Dave Dombrowski as far as uh, willingness to, to be frank and direct with the media, maybe to his detriment at times. But uh, he's he's been great to deal with. And, and the culture that he creates is that basically everyone below him is happy to talk. And that's that's huge because uh, that's not the case uh, in a lot of places. And it's certainly the case in very few places in the NFL. Who other than the Saints have you covered in the past? I, I made pretty much a circuit of the SEC. Uh, I did. I did. Alan. Alabama, Auburn, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Not well, it was. Let me go back in the correct order. Alabama, South Carolina, Auburn, Tennessee. Uh, spending the most time at Auburn. I started in 2004, which was their undefeated season, uh, where they did not win the national championship. And I came to an end in 2010, which was their season that they did win the national championship. So uh, it, that was a great run. And then I, in Tennessee uh, came the the last year of Derek Dooley and the first year of Butch Jones. Jones, who's a Michigander, Saugatuck, Michigan native, uh, and has a, many Michiganders on his staff. And then from there went down to uh, to NOLA.com and, and covered the Saints. Now, you talked a little bit about working with players and getting to know them a little bit. And over time, relationships thaw a little bit. Now, uh, around these parts, 
MLive and their consumers, their readers and commenters, have have um, a little bit of a reputation for being a little a little hostile and angry. How has it gone relating and connecting with your with your readers? How's that? How's that been? Honestly, it's gone. It's gone really well. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I felt that cough coming for about a minute, and I was trying to hold it back. Uh, I, I would say that uh, it's gone really well. I think the uh, you got to understand. I came uh, from AL.com uh, a couple jobs ago, which is pretty much everything. Every story has to do with the Auburn Alabama rivalry in some ways. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's like Michigan Michigan State on on steroids. Is but as far as the level of discourse, it's it's uh, about as low as you can imagine. And so really, any even if you, you could do a really great story, and 90% of the comments would just be people trading insults about Auburn and Alabama in in the comments section, and you know there'd be like a thousand comments, and and 90% of them would be be unrelated to the story, just trading personal insults. So, I mean, I I think our commenters are pretty great. I yeah, mean, yeah, we we actually have intelligent conversations in the comments section, and that's unheard of in some sites, you know, to have a back and forth. And we have a handful of regular commenters who are really, really well informed. And yeah, I mean, yes, there will be some, uh, you know, that have a totally unrelated story to, to use it to take a shot at Brad Osmus. But I mean, that's, that <laughs> happens. That's, that's reality. Uh, I think as a whole, the, the discourse is pretty good. And, and I think they encourage us to drop in and, and answer questions whenever possible and participate in the discussion. And I think that, Usually helps the level of discourse a bit, and uh, but you know I, I I think by and large I've been pretty pleased with with our commenters, and, and I think I think it's a pretty intelligent bunch. There you go. We're proud of you, M Live Commenter. Proud. <laughs> Good job. So I want to get into the the mindset of, of you as a as a professional journalist. I think that as as outsiders, we look at, at your job and think, man, he, that's got to be awesome. Just day after day at the ballpark. But we talked with, with Chris Iatt last fall, and he essentially said that he get he got to the point where he didn't care about the outcome of the specific games. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Eric. Is that, I mean, that's more or less the gist of what he said. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he didn't want to get involved in that capacity. Um, how does that experience compare to yours? Uh, you know, well, I think that's, to, to a certain extent, that's journalism, you know, 101 in the sense that, you know, you, you don't have a rooting interest in in the outcome of a game. And, uh, you know, and I think that that could go that goes for all of us. Now, you know, at another level, it makes our jobs easier, generally speaking, when the team wins. People are happier. They're better to deal with. The stories are better. Uh, you know, more readers, it, probably. Yeah, there are more readers. There are more interest. And I mean, that's that's a factor, too. Uh, so, it, you know, you get to cover fun stuff too. I mean, I, it was fun to cover a national championship game in football. It would have been fun to cover the NFL playoffs. Uh, you know, it would have been fun to, to cover the, the baseball playoffs last year. Uh, so in, in that sense, yeah, I mean, it, it's our life's a lot easier when they win for the most part, but it's different in saying that and saying, you know, you're, you're rooting for the team or, or you want them to do, you know, to win or to lose. You certainly don't want them to lose. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I think the other factor, and, and I found this in college always, is, you know, you, you meet people, you don't wish them ill will. You know, you, you, you wish the coaches and players that you like and meet, that you, you hope they do well, you hope they have success. 
but you know that's again that's a different different thing than rooting for them it's it's just you know i think human nature and and certainly as, as part of our job i mean it's we we all like good stories we all like interesting stories we all like to be read and and for the most part that that can be helped by winning uh so we are approaching pitchers and catchers reporting at some point you're going to make the journey down to central florida real florida and experience uh the beginning of the tiger season and now so you got a half you know a couple months of spring training and then you got 162 games maybe playoffs you got a grind out of you what are you most looking forward to and what are you kind of saying yeah i'm not i'm kind of dreading this i'm not quite ready for this well, I mean, I'll say, and I only did a half season last year, or not even a half season, honestly, because I didn't do spring training. Uh, the grind was pretty incredible, and it was it was more intense than I would have imagined. And, and I I came away with a, a huge amount of respect for everybody associated with baseball, and that includes players, coaches, manager, uh, the broadcasters, you know, the, the guys that, that really worked hard every single day. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and and us in the media too. But I mean, I, I think just it, it's it always it always hit home on the day games after night games, where you feel like you were literally just left the park and you're back there again, and the players, you know, are just that you look like they look like they're about comatose in the locker room. They're all so exhausted, and you know that they are going to be out there playing in, in a few hours. But all but you know, every, all the other professionals associated with the team, including the you know the Gene Lamont who's 70 years old and, and does that every single day and is up at the ballpark uh, as early as any player or, or, you know, the hitting coaches that, that stay late to work on batting practice and are there when everybody else gets there. I mean, it's, it's a pretty intense grind and, and it's not just the media, but, but uh, the reporters are part of it too, obviously, because we, we stay late and, and come there early. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it's honestly, I, I've told friends in, in the sports writing business and friends in the NFL, you know, if, if you didn't, I think a lot of baseball writers really love baseball because if you don't love baseball, you will despise this job. I mean, you, you, you would hate this job if you don't love baseball. And so I think it is kind of a self-selection at work. And I, I think that's why, frankly, there are a, a lot of baseball writers are baseball guys. They, they like the sport. They, they, uh, they thrive on it. They enjoy it. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the case for me in that, you know, this is something I'd wanted to do for a long time. I didn't wasn't looking to leave New Orleans, which I think is one of the greatest cities in the world. Loved it yeah. there. But, uh, you know, this was an opportunity to do baseball and, and come back to the Midwest, both of which I've wanted to do for a long time. So uh, wait, you, you wanted know, to the, leave the, the grind South. for me is <laughs> and you came here on purpose. Well, you know, Probably. the winter has tested me a bit. <laughs> I, w- I will say I enjoy the summer up here and uh, the autumn up here. But my blood has gotten a little bit thinner since I left. Absolutely. But, that uh, happens. You know, it tends to happen. Lakeland, Lakeland is looming. Florida is coming up soon. Very. Um, would you mind quickly walking us through uh, just the high points of kind of your average uh, day leading into a night game at the ballpark? Like what, what are, what are some of the things that you do on a, on a daily basis? Well, you know, the internet era, really, it's the only era I've really ever worked in except for maybe a few years in my first job. But, but I think, when I talk to the guys that have done this a long time, it's it's amazing how much more we have to do just because stuff that wasn't important in the newsprint era is vitally important in the Internet era. And by that, I mean, just like 
lineups, little pregame things that wouldn't even make the paper that become all important to get up before the game. Uh, minor transactions that might be a line at the bottom of a story in the old days that are now stories in and of themselves that must be got up immediately on online. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, sometimes that's, you guys are doing eight or nine or ten posts in a day. That really is. I mean, I, I would say that's, that's the average, and not all of them by me alone, but I would say on average eight to ten is, is the number of posts in, in season per day. Uh, it, for us, it, I kind of like our system. I, I get the game anywhere from one to three, depending on uh, press box and, and uh, you know, if I – I'm on the road if I've found a nice place I like to work I might stay there a little bit later if I if it's easier to work in the box I might do there um, and then we go down they have an open uh, open clubhouse uh, and also at some point during that time we get Brad Osmus either in his office or in the dugout uh, before he goes out to throw batting practice and open clubhouse is kind of uh, hit or miss I mean sometimes there'll be plenty of guys in there sometimes there won't be Sometimes you get interesting interviews. Sometimes you're just chatting and, and not really doing any interviews at all. Uh, you know, sometimes there's an obvious story of the day and sometimes there's not. So that's just kind of hit or miss. And then from there, you go back upstairs and, and write a bunch of stuff before game time. Usually grab dinner about 30 minutes before the first pitch and then uh, come back and, and, uh, and start working on the game stuff. For me, it, you know, I've gotten a lot of comments from readers that I should participate more in, in the in-game chats, which I try to do. But the fact is that at a certain point, you have to pay both pay attention to the game and, and start writing the stuff right. that you're going to write. And uh, it's not always easy to, to, to be real active in the chat in addition to all of that while still having some semblance of what's, what's going on in the game. We try to post something, or really all of us try to post something as soon as the game ends. And then what we do is, at least at MLive, is I go downstairs, do all the interviews, and then for a night game, I'll schedule the next story to go up at about 6 a.m. the next day so I can kind of invest some more time in it. Uh, and, you know, really at that point, at, at midnight, there's very few people on MLive hitting re reload over and over, waiting <laughs> waiting for you to put your story up. So, you know, you can usually get away with, with spending a little more time on, on the main story and uh, and kind of, you know, we, we try to look ahead to the next day as much as we're looking back on, on the last game because, you know, the, it, it moves so fast news can get stale pretty quickly and, and what happened last night is only relevant for so long and, and most people want to start thinking about what's going to happen the next day yep. what has been the uh, best food you've experienced in any press box <laughs> you know it, it's it's funny I, I tell this again to my nfl friends and my college friends baseball press box food is fantastic and it's because we have to pay for it oh. and at first people think well you know it's ter it's a bad thing you have to pay for it it's actually a great thing that we have to pay for it because you know the, they invest more in quality than they do in the nfl or, or college when they're just giving it out for free and uh there's some really good press box food in, in baseball i think probably the royals uh, have been my best so far and that's uh you know they've got multiple stations and uh, great, great spread. You know, you, the, it, you, you have to really work not to get in terrible shape when you're on the road that much of the year. You know, you do things like you take the steps instead of the elevator and, and you yeah. try to work out at the hotel. But I, the habit Evan. I got into is <laughs> I, 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 try to, I try to eat a free breakfast at the hotel and then I can usually skip lunch and eat the press box just because it's so – there's so much. It's good stuff. So, yeah. 
that's, we can't that's all been be one Jason Beck. We cannot all be <laughs> the pinnacle of manhood like Jason Beck. We can't. Well, that's very true because he, he yeah. runs like 10 miles a day, which really? uh, I definitely yeah. could not do. He's a stallion. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, you ready to move over on to uh, the actual team, Eric? Yeah. Um, so, Evan, you know, we're, we're getting to spring training, and it's the time of hope. Everybody is just dreaming, and we're going to have all kinds of success this year. So last year, we won 86 games, eight games out of first, two and a half games out of the wild card. Tell us, should Tigers fans be hopeful for this year? Do we have something to dream on here? I mean, I, I think in the sense that last year, the Tigers were a borderline playoff team. This year, they are essentially the same team return. So, I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect that there'll be a borderline playoff team again. And that, you know, that doesn't sound overly optimistic, but I think a lot of teams would like to be a borderline playoff team. And if, if they are in the, in the race until the final week of the season, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think would, would probably count as a, a win, all things considered. I, I think the worry or, or the reason for pessimism would be, you know, the, the fact that they didn't do anything, the fact that this is already a fairly old team that got a year older, um, you, know, you know, that that standing pat usually doesn't work. Uh, right. You know, I, I think you have to be very hopeful that you're going to see some improvement in some players, that you're going to have very few injury problems and, and that you get some surprises that come out of nowhere. You know, that's something that somebody has a, a breakout season somewhere that, that you don't expect. There's, there's another Michael Fulmer somewhere waiting in the wings that, that we don't see coming. Uh, you know, if that happens, then yeah, this, this could be a playoff team. Uh, you had a piece today that came out about the release of Pakoda uh, from baseball perspective. Um, I read according to, uh, according to it, the Tigers are projected to go 78 and 84, which is good for third in the division and give up more runs than they scored. Um, as you were writing that, did that feel uh, accurate to you? It, it was a, a bit on the pessimistic side. And, and I, I think just looking at some of the individual players, uh, you know, they've, they've chronically undervalued J.D. Martinez throughout his career. And, that, and that's, I'm, I say they, I mean, the, the algorithm, obviously, it's not a, a human person that's, that has a specific bias against J.D. Martinez. Just a douche to J.D., uh, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, but, you know, a guy like him with his profile, uh, kind of, an, there, there are very few similarities to his profile out there. And, and I think he's a tough to project player because of that. And I think he gets a little bit under, has always been under, rated in the Pakota because of that. Uh, and, and, you know, some some guys like Justin Verlander, he, he had a great year last year, but in 2014, 2015, looked like he was on a downward career tra trajectory. Tigers obviously hope that he's, you know, he's back to elite pitcher consistently uh, in 2017 and, and that, that that was a blip. But the projection is still is still thinking of that downward trajectory a couple of years ago when, when they're making the projection for 2017. So I think some things like that uh, play into it. Uh, the, the thing I found interesting was, was kind of the pessimism the algorithm had for, for Jordan Zimmerman. I mean, there is no, it's no secret. He's going to be huge this year. Uh, you know, obviously if, if, he struggles again. I mean, it's not only a problem for 2017, but that contract is an 
absolute albatross of unbelievable proportions. Uh, you know, it's it's Anibal Sanchez times a thousand if uh, if you know he can't get back to where he was in 2015. So that that's an issue going forward, and I think that's more reason that that Tigers really hope Zimmerman's Zimmerman can come back. But I think the the uh, Pakota was was not very bullish on the pitching staff, either the rotation and the bullpen. And I think there's probably a little bit more reason for optimism than, than it was showing. Um, on a scale of, <laughs> say, Billy Bean to Anthony Ghost, how big of a sabermetrics guy are you? Uh, I, I would I would I would probably say in the middle. And I mean, I've always been a, I, I like stats. I think it's interesting. I don't I a lot of the stuff I I enjoy. I, I can't even fully explain. Um, as far as like the, the mathematical reasoning behind it, I just have to link to it and say, here, here's the methodology. <laughs> uh, if you guys can figure it out, go for it. But I, I think there's some people are so dogmatic about it. And this bothered me with the Hall of Fame debate. Uh, you know, if if we're just if we're just putting the players with the most wins above replacement in the hall, just call it the the war hall or something. I mean, yeah. if if there's no room for human interaction at all, then then why? Why not just rank rank players by war and forget voting altogether? I mean, I, I think there are some people in the the stats community that are very dogmatic and unwilling to to maybe take in different points of view, and and I, I think that has probably pushed me more to the uh, the eyeball test side or the scouting side uh, as as I've as I've gotten kind of deeper in, into baseball writing. Uh, so. We talked a little. You mentioned Michael Fulmer, and we've we've talked about now Pakota projections and how to kind of surpass those. We need some performance from the pitching staff, or something's underrated. But uh, do you see any candidates that uh, might break out this year to say, okay, we, this could vault us to a next level? We're, we're we're being hopeful. This is the time. Who do you see that might say, oh, this guy can outperform? I definitely like Daniel Norris. Yes, uh, there we go. I, I just think he, <laughs> excuse me again. He looks so great down the stretch. Uh, so dominant, so confident, you know, he, 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 so calm and collected on the mound. He, he just looked, uh, you know, he looked like a different pitcher. And I think if he can carry that over, I think this could be a really special year for him. I, I like him a lot. And, and I think, I think they have real high hopes for him. Uh, so I, I would put him probably number one. I, I'm a big Bruce Rondon fan, and I, I think that's largely because I've only seen the good Bruce Rondon. I've never, I haven't been there for all the bad times. I've only seen uh, from July forward, but I think he has closer potential. I like him a lot, and uh, you know, it's clear Brad Osmus doesn't agree with me because every time we we ask a question that that remotely praises. Uh, Bruce Rondon, he's he always uh, kind of throws cold water on it, but I, I just I think he's he's got closer potential, and uh, I it, I don't know I just I don't see him as being such a head case as as others think he may be or think he is, and I, I think that's largely because I've only seen the, the good few months, uh, but I think if you're looking for optimism or you want to be optimistic, I, I think he could be a, a real anchor of that back end of the bullpen. Um, let, let's talk about the the rotation a little bit. Um, I'm also a huge Daniel Norris fan. This stuff is just so good, but we don't, we don't have to go down that road again. Um, we currently have seven starters stretched out. Um, is there a set plan as to who they're hoping to win the five jobs or is this just going to be completely open? 
Well, I think officially it's completely open. I think four are pretty much set, if, assuming everybody's healthy in it, in Verlander, Zimmerman, uh, Norris, and uh, who am I? I'm assuming <laughs> who am I forgetting? Omar, yes, thank you. <laughs> Shouldn't forget him. Uh, and then I, my guess is that number five would come down to uh, to uh, Matt Boyd or Anibal Sanchez. And I, my hunch is that they would prefer Sanchez be the number five and then have Boyd uh, in Toledo as, as an option just because Sanchez is making $16 million and it'd be nice to get <laughs> something out of that. It still matters. The other factor is you're you're really if you have both Sanchez and Pelfrey in the bullpen, that's that's not ideal. I, I think even having one of those is in the bullpen is not really ideal. But uh, having both really takes up some spots that they could could go to some higher leverage pitchers uh, or, or some some pitchers that you you'd want pitching in, in the late innings. So it, that that brings us to Pelfrey. I, I see very little possibility that he can end up in the rotation. I it just it's hard to imagine a scenario barring injuries that it happens. So the question is, do they see him as a long man or, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. It just kind of cutting losses and saying, you know, we wish you will. Um, if not in the spring training, maybe at some point early in the season, just because I, I think, you know, it's tough to, you've already got Mark Lowe in the bullpen who you're going to have to take a leap of faith to put in high leverage situations to stick Sanchez and Pelfrey in there. With all the other questions in the bullpen, I just think that's that's far from ideal, and I think they would like to avoid that if at all possible, which is why I think in their perfect world, Sanchez has a great spring. They gave him the number five starter spot. Pelfrey has a great spring. He's the, the long reliever. Boyd, uh, uh, you know, kind of is the odd man out. Probably deserves a shot at the rotation, but maybe he starts at Toledo and, and is waiting there in the wings for an injury or a spot, spot, spot start or, or what have you. Yeah, and this isn't the first year of Pelfrey's two-year contract. Now we're getting into the second year. So, yeah, they give him a chance in spring training. Show, show us what you got. But if there comes a point where you got to cut bait, this would be the year to do it as opposed to last year where they're I could see where they're quite reluctant to. Right. And, I mean, it, it wouldn't be ideal either. But, no. I mean, it's, I think they've already kind of internally made up. They've already internally acknowledged it was a bad sign. They've, they've crossed that bridge. I, I, don't, I think they're beyond the point of, of worrying about salvaging it or, or trying to, to make it look any better than, than it was. I, I think they've, right. they've admitted it, it, it was not an ideal move. And I think if it came to it where Pelfrey had a rough spring and, you know, they, they just didn't want to burden the bullpen with, with another arm they weren't sure what to do with, you know, I don't think they'd be afraid to to, to debate and, and wish him well and move on. Uh, you know, not not ideal, obviously, but but better than the alternative, which is, you know, early in the season, just just having some arms in the bullpen that, that you really don't want to use. Um, are you right, Eric? Are you ready to move on to the rapid fire questions? Yes. OK, we're going to play a little. Uh, oh, you have rapid fire questions. Yeah, just a few like kind of short, quick um uh, questions, and then we get, get get to the game in a second. You go to that. Do you have these. You have these ready to go. Oh yeah. Let's let's oh, yeah. let's experience that together. <laughs> All right, um, Evan. Who are some of your industry heroes? Industry heroes, as in like writers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hero might be a strong word, but I mean, I I, I always enjoy reading Dan Wetzel. I, I think he does great stuff. Jeff Passan is is an Ohioan, does great baseball writer. 
Jason Stark, I think, is a phenomenal baseball writer. You know, I think I think there are a lot of really great national baseball writers, probably more so than in the NFL, and and uh, you know, those those are a handful of them that I enjoy. Um, are there any kids of minimal or no major league experience that you see making uh, an impact this year? Kids of minimal, well, I mean, I, I don't know if you count Dixon Machado because he's probably had plenty, but. It, I just I, I can't imagine they want to lose him. I, I think they have to find a way to keep him, you know, and uh, they couldn't open up a spot for him via trade. So it's going to be tough to find him in at bats. But I like him a lot. I think I think he is a great glove who will have the bat to at least survive in the big leagues. And I can't see them wanting to lose him. So I, I see him sticking somewhere. Um. Yeah, I, I like Dixon too. I I do hope he's one of those guys that I feel like he's been around for so long. He's become like a part of all of us. You just you just pull for guys like that. Um, taking the journalist out part out of you. What is your favorite part of a ballpark? Like take a spring training ballpark or whatever to watch a game from. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, honestly, this is I, I probably shouldn't say this, but when I was a kid, we we would go down to Winter Haven uh, and watch watch the Indians. With, you know, obviously a sister city of Lakeland right next door. They, they played the Tigers quite a bit back in the old days. Uh, and, you know, just sitting out in the outfield in the grass, the grass berm would, would was beautiful, especially, you know, Midwesterners coming down from the, the snow of winter right at the point when winter looks like it's never going to end and to come down to Florida and the sunshine and, and see baseball. Uh, I think that was a great experience. So just sitting in the grass, uh, in a grapefruit league game, uh, I would say that that's that's a nice way to do it. Berm life is the best life, couldn't for sure. Uh, especially when you have the option to watch the bullpen, like from behind the bullpen. I I love that. That's just the best. Um, interesting signing of David Lowe today. Um, does he have a shot at making the roster? Or is this another Lucas Harrell situation where I just get really excited and then see it come to nothing? My guess would be no, uh, just because it, it, they seem to have a a glut of, of veteran outfielders that they'd signed, uh, you know, and I don't know if this is a Toledo thing, and I don't know if if Lowe even wants a triple-A uh, assignment or is just is hoping for a big league shot, but, I mean, if, if you look at their outfield situation, including guys like Collins, who has no options, and Moya, who has no options, it's just, it's hard to imagine Barring injury, that uh, any of these guys, uh, whether Lowe or, or Alex Presley or uh, or Juan Perez or any of the veterans they've signed, it's just hard to see them getting a real shot. Um, I have it on good authority that Lynn still uses AOL. Can you confirm or deny? <laughs> this is Lynn Henning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. I can I I cannot confirm, but uh, it's it's quite possible. <laughs> um. Have you love, ever? Love you, Lynn. Yeah, love, love you, Lynn. Um, have you ever? I'm, I'm sure that the answer. Have you ever been uncomfortable in a in an intimidating Brad Ausmus um, situation? There are some times when we watch him. I'm like, yeesh. I don't <laughs> to be a fly on that wall. Um, is is it ever um, intimidating for you as a, as a capital J journalist? I don't know if intimidating is the word. I mean, I will say in in general. He, he takes a lot of tough questions uh, af- after games. And, uh, you know, I, I th- sometimes the reaction that the <laughs> I think sometimes he can come across as uh, as dismissive or, or 
maybe uh, I, I don't know if arrogant would be the right word, but sometimes the, the the reaction that people tell me that they see is is one of uh, dismiss dismissiveness of the questions. In my experience, he, he at least is fairly thoughtful about most of the questions, even if he disagrees with the premise of them and, and attempts to answer them. So I, I don't know if, if there's ever been an intimidating, certainly there have been uncomfortable situations, particularly after close losses. But, you know, that kind of, that, that goes with the territory. I mean, it's, uh, that's kind of the post-game routine in, in any sport is that, you know, th- there's a, there's a loss, there's things that happen, there are questions that have to be asked, and uh, then you go for it and you move on. Uh, okay, two more. Have you ever met Kate? <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, no, I have not. I'm an avid uh, social media follower, but that's about it. And most, more importantly, have you ever met Johnny Kane? Stop it with uh, Johnny Kane. <laughs> yes, I have. Very friendly. I bet. Super nice guy. The legend of Johnny Kane continues to skyrocket. Jordan's got a crush on a man crush on Johnny no, Kane. I just, I just th- I like oh, him. are you going to deny it now? <laughs> Yeah, we have we have company. You're not supposed to say stuff like Sorry. that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's play the game. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, here's the game. All right, the Detroit Tigers have 314 players in their organization. That's that's a pretty big number. Um, And so we're going to play a little game where uh, you have to decide whether this name is a player in the Detroit Tigers organization. And I'll, I'll give you a little hint. This is somebody they added from outside the organization this year. Or... Um, you have the option of saying that this person is, or this name is part of the Coachella Music Festival. This year in Coachella, <laughs> which is in Southern California, there are 145 acts spread over three weekends. And last year they sold 198,000 tickets. So it's almost as big of a deal as the Tigers. So I'm going to give you a name. And Evan's our guest. He gets to go first. Of course. And so you have to decide whether this is uh, a Detroit Tiger organization guy or an act at Coachella this year. Cool? Okay. Okay. Right. I can do this. All right. Number number one um, is Ezra Furman. Is this Coachella or Tiger? <laughs> Coachella. Correct. Very good, yes. Evan. Ezra Furman is a Jewish gender fluid indie rock musician from Chicago. Good job. All right. Now we're going to Jordan. Jordan. Um, Travis Blackley. 
I'm going to go with Coachella or Tiger? Tiger. Very good. Nice. You guys are dominating this game. Yes. Travis Blackley is a 6'3 lefty. He's 34 years old and he's Australian. Oh. Um, we added him this year. He has 82 games of major league experience. I going to say, I vaguely recognize that name. Yes. Good, good job. All right. Now, to, uh, now back to Evan. Um, Marcel Detman. Uh, let's go with Coachella again. You are two for two, oh. friend. Marcel Detman is a German DJ <laughs> and one of the most influential <laughs> proponents of contemporary techno. Good job. All right, Jordan. Um, Ronnie Mitchell. Hmm. I'm gonna go with with Coachella. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Ronnie Mitchell is a 25-year-old outfielder. He's left-handed, but he's never been past double-A. Mm-hmm. But we've we've added him added him this year. Yeah, power, power speed guy? Uh, I, I, could, I could look it up. <laughs> I don't know. That's beyond my notes here. Ronnie Mitchell is, is a Tiger. Crap. Okay. Uh, uh, the, the score now is Evan 2, Jordan 1. Uh, Evan's question. Uh, Mac Miller. Mac Miller. Uh, I'm going to go to Coachella again. Coachella is correct. You are three for three. Mac Miller is a rapper from Pittsburgh. His real name is Malcolm McCormick, a.k.a. Easy Mac, a.k.a. Larry Fishman, a.k.a. Larry Lovestein. Mac Miller is actually pretty, pretty decently big. Is he? Yeah. He's he's boys with Big Sean, I believe, who also is decently big. It's big as right in his name. Yeah. He's, I he's, know him as Larry Lovestein. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Okay, uh, are we, are we to Jordan, yes? Yes. Okay, Jordan. Um, Zach Cox, Tiger or Coachella Act? That's got to be a Tiger. You're correct. Yes. Very good. Zach Cox uh, was a 2010 first-round pick by the Cardinals. He has 558 minor league games, but none in the majors. Hmm. And we signed him out of uh, an indie ball team. Oh. All right. So Frontier League? um, I'm just kidding. I I don't know. Go on. Yes, I I believe it is, actually. Um, Okay. uh, We're back to Evan here. Um, Waldis Joaquin. That's a tiger. Yes. A picture, I think I think from Mexico, I believe. Yes. Yes, he's from the Mexican League. Uh, a 29-year-old right-hander. Um, 19 major league games last in 2011. Very good. I was hoping he was going to be an act. I'd get that album. <laughs> the, the hot new Waldis Joaquin. All right, so uh, are we up to f- four, four to two now? I think it is. Yeah, I think so. All right, uh, Jordan, uh, your name is Bishop Briggs. Bishop Briggs. That has to be a Coachella act. You're right. Yes, yes. Bishop Briggs is actual name. Sarah Grace McLaughlin is a 24 year old English singer. Oh, yeah, naturally, Bishop Briggs. Yeah. Okay, uh, Evan. Uh, Sean Donatello. Ooh, that sounds kind of familiar. Uh, I'm going to go with Tiger. You are correct. Sean Donatello is not a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> uh, he is a, he was the, um, uh, the rule five 
draft pick, the minor league portion of the Rule 5. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So he was last with the Miami organization, uh, 26-year-old right-handed pitcher. Does he have purple cleats and wear a, you know, use a bow staff? If he doesn't, he should. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we'll get we'll get Brett Pirtle on it. Yes, Pirtle would know. He would. I love Pirtle. Okay, have you seen my Pirtle t-shirt? I have a I have a Brett Pirtle t-shirt. Like a, like a jersey tee? Yeah, a jersey. Oh, that is that is excellent. Yeah, everybody loves Brett Pirtle. Okay, um we're back to Evan, right? Um yeah, uh no, yeah, who no. Back to Jordan. You did uh Evan did Donatello. That's right. Yes. Okay. Uh so uh Brett Pill. Uh Tiger. Yes, Brett Pill. You guys are you guys are doing really well. Brett Pill has a, uh 111 major league games. Uh he's 32 years old. We got him out of the Korean League. Oh. Uh where he was a 317 hitter in Korea. Interesting. Yeah. Could be pill. useful. Jagged little pill. This year's yeah. Casey McGee. Here we go. Uh, yeah, that's something to aspire to. <laughs> Sorry, Casey. Okay. Um, Evan, Dylan Francis. Uh, does not ring a bell, so I'm going to go Coachella. Yes, that's correct. He's a pioneer in the genre of Moombatone. Oh. Uh, he collaborates with Kelvin Harris and Skrillex. Skrillex. That's very good. Mm-hmm. All right. So I have uh, Evan at six and Jordan at four. But, you, you know, can tighten this thing up. I have a, a few more. Uh, f- let's see. Um, Jack Garrett. Jack Garrett. I'll go Tiger. Oh, oh no. I'm sorry. Jack <laughs> Garrett is an English singer-songwriter. My, you're, yeah, not good. Evan, um, Steve Angelo. Uh, let's say Coachella. Very good. Steve Angelo is the Greek-born Swedish DJ, formerly of the Swedish House Mafia. <laughs> All right. All right, Jordan, you have no chance to catch up. That's you're okay. going to lose. Uh, but, uh, you know, for your legacy, Quincy Lattimore. Tiger. I want him to be a tiger. He is. He is nice. a tiger, a 27-year-old outfield outfielder. Um, and this guy, I got to tell you, Quincy Lattimore, um, he's been on 12 teams in eight different leagues. Wow. And he's just been kicking around the minors. So good luck, Quincy. Q. I, hope you I think it. we should call him Q. Yep. Good job uh, to Evan, uh, Jordan. Not so much. It's it's okay. You guys pretty much dominated though. I'm I'm super impressed considering there wasn't, you know, a true major leaguer in the bunch. Like we didn't really sign, you know, a significant major leaguer, but we got we got these guys. So that's good. And some of those Coachella guys sounded like baseball players. Was... Yeah. I'd sign I'd sign Bishop Briggs in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Evan, do you want to stick around while we do power rankings and the other silly stuff, or are you uh, good for the night? <laughs> sure, I can stick around. All right. Eric, you want to do power rankings? Yes, this is the portion of the podcast where I power rank something, uh, and I'm never wrong. It's pretty much so exactly that's really, what it sounds like. It's it's educational for everybody. Okay, so this week I have for you uh, no choices. I have means or avenues for listening to music. Oh. 
Okay. You know, we got the Emmys coming. No, not the Emmys. What are the music ones? The Grammys. Grammys. Yeah. Grammys. Not your grandma. The Grammys are coming up, and we are in a musical mindset here on the podcast, Yano. So I'm going to give you the top seven and the bottom three means of listening to music. All right. So number seven is um, over a public speaker in a public place. So uh, you're at the grocery store, you're at the gym, the dentist even. This is the easiest all. You don't have to pick anything. You just be there. Now, it's kind of low on the list because you don't really have a choice, right? I mean, you just listen to what is featured. It's very true. Yeah. So that's that's number seven. Uh, number six is YouTube, right? You can find any song, but you got to sit through an ad and... Um, and it's not real high quality, right? Yeah, I'm old enough How to many... remember when you didn't have to sit through an ad. That was nice. Oh, it's almost as almost as good as the old Napster days. Are you, <laughs> were you are you old enough to experience the joys of good Napster? I was not. Um, I, I well, first of all, I wouldn't have because I'm a rule follower. But second of all, <laughs> I I was old enough to know that it was happening, but not old enough to have a computer of my own to do something about it. Essentially. Did you did you steal stuff off Napster, Evan? You remember those days? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember it, it almost. It seems like it happened overnight. Like it was yeah. just one night. You're one day you're buying CDs for twenty bucks, and then the next day every song you could ever imagine is for free, and and everybody in your in your homeroom is uh, downloading music illegally. Yeah. yeah, it was it was those were great days. <laughs> and then you tried like LimeWire, and it would just give your computer some awful herpes computer disease is the worst after after napster after napster went down it was bad anyway youtube is number six number five is the good old-fashioned vinyl record right you're going to a store you're obtaining a record you know you get that kind of rich scratchy sound the nostalgia of experiencing the record um and you have like a big it's like a poster you know right? you get the art on the vinyl record but Alas, they're kind of bulky. You can't take that. And then they're they're cumbersome. And they've kind of been tainted by hipsters now, right? For sure. You know, you get the vinyl. I don't know. It's number five. Number four is a good old-fashioned compact disc, the CD. You would buy one of these. You put it into a machine, and it gives you music, right? You own it forever. It's small. It's mobile. It's a CD. You know, people still own these things. What was the last CD you purchased? Uh, the last CD I purchased was Heartbeats by Grum. Oh. Nobody's going to know that. No. Evan, how about you? I can't even remember. I was I was trying yeah. to think of it. I, I can't even remember that far back. Yeah. Was... Yeah, old. I mean, I remember, I remember purchasing cassettes more than I remember purchasing CDs. I think that... You know, that's that was a long time ago. Ouch, ouch, it's true. Um, so CDs are number four. Number three is the radio. You get in your car, you turn it on, and it's free. It just plays you something. Okay, so you don't get to pick what song you're listening to. But the radio is joyful because it's a collective experience, right? You know, you get to understand what's popular, and you can talk to other people about it because it's on the radio, so it's kind of high on the list because, you know, it's it's the collective experience of radio. It's free. Free's good. Yeah, 
Of course, I'm Dutch. It's kind of like free. Um, number two is live. Live music. You know, I kind of once poo-pooed live music a little bit. You know, it's expensive. You got you to gotta make an event. You got to make an effort. But I've grown to appreciate live music a little bit more. You see the people, you know, also experiencing the music. You know, it's a cultural interactive, you know, social experience. And it's not that really expensive. You know, m musicians are not rich people, right? The concerts are cheap. You can always find a bar where some guy's playing and experience some live music. Live well, music's good. Okay. I will give you that. But when it comes to like concerts and big, big concerts of note, the problem with live music is it's so loud. And I know that I sound like I'm 97 <laughs> years old, but it's so loud. Just well, turn it down a little bit. Get out of your Buick and go to a concert, old man. It's fine. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, carry seriously. on. All right. So number one, uh, do you have a guess? Has, number one has to be. A, oh, sorry, Evan. You're you're the guest. You should get the guess. <laughs> uh, I, it, I mean, it's we've crossed off everything else. It, it's got to be like Spotify, right? Is it? That is absolutely correct. Spotify is the best way to listen uh, to music because you, you don't have to own a thing. You know, you can just listen to it. You got it on your phone, you, you headphones or on your computer. And I got to tell you, I, uh, I treated myself and, and I bought the Spotify premium is the best thing I've ever done. It's so, it's so satisfying. Spotify is number one. Absolutely. All, all the extra funds you make, make from the podcast. Yeah, all my all my podcast revenue is plowed directly <laughs> back into Spotify. Yeah. So, all right. So that's the top seven. Here are now we're gonna go bottom three. These are the worst ways. Number three is um, a neighboring car that pulls up <laughs> next to you at a stoplight. <laughs> you can't enjoy that filth. It's just thud, thud, thud. That's all it is. You you can't. There's no words. It's just annoying. Uh, number two, and Evan touched on this, is the cassette tape. For all the good nostalgia there is about records, there should be no nostalgia about the cassette tape. You're trying to find your song. You're slamming the buttons. It's making like this clicking sound. You don't know where it starts. Then the tape breaks and you got, you know, plastic spaghetti just reeling out of this little box. I mean, it was so <laughs> worthless. Cassette tapes were bad. Sorry, Evan, if you liked them. <laughs> well, you could record radio on cassette tapes, which we did a lot when I was a kid. That that was a novelty at the time. I remember listening to U2 Zuropa on a cassette tape. Yeah, it's because somebody recorded it off of, I don't know, another tape. So old. Yeah, laugh it up, Hall. <laughs> All right, number one worst way to experience and listen to music is, any guesses? Mm-mm. No idea. The answer is iTunes. iTunes is straight trash. They have you updating this software. Like, it hasn't been useful and helpful for the last 50 updates. It takes forever to look. 
mode, you, it, the interface is garbage. You can't find your song. You're like plugging your phone into your computer, and it, it, it says, don't unplug, don't disconnect. I'm trying to sync. And it's not syncing properly, and you're trying to organize the files. iTunes is a freaking mess. For all the things that Apple does good, you'd think they could solve iTunes, but it's garbage. That's Power Rankings. Hello, this is Eric's mom, and you're listening to the Podcastianos. Okay. Um, so, Evan, this is the part of the show where it gets really exciting again. Um, it's things that I saw on the side of the, the road while running. Um, like, like our friend, Mr. Beck, I do a decent amount of running. Um, and then each week I regale us with tales of what I saw on the side of the road. Um, so I tweeted out a picture of this a couple weeks back. I was down in Florida. My parents have a place down there. So we go to, uh, go down there. Um, so I kind of ruined the suspense spot with the picture, but it's still a, a pretty decent tale. So I figured I would share it with you guys. Um, when I'm down there, I run on the sidewalk next to this fairly, divi- uh, busy, like divided two lane highway. Um, and I'm about two miles into my run and I see this thing ahead of me that kind of looks like. Um, you know, like the things that you would plant a flower in, like not, not the ground, but like a planter, if you will. And I get up close to it and I'm like, oh man, that's an armadillo. And you know me, I'm an animal guy, so I'm loving it. I get closer to it. I'm trying to like creep by it. So not to disturb it. And then all of a sudden it just bolts like straight at my feet. And I don't know if he was like (laughs) trying to sweep my legs. Like that was his tactic or if he was just like some sort of drunk runner or what but i'm literally hurtling this oncoming armadillo um fortunately as you know i'm wildly athletic so i I cleared him with ease um and then i snapped a picture on the way back so i because i figured nobody would believe me as as nobody would um and on the way back he seemed far less concerned about me so he was he was happy to take the picture um so that's what i saw on the side of the road while running and you live to tell the tale from the armor possum attack. Good Actually, job. they're really cool. Like, did you see the picture? They're awesome. I want one for a pet. I'm told they make terrible pets, but I still kind of want one. We actually had a, a bunch of them in Alabama. You know, they were like garden pests, I think. They, I mean, they were so prevalent. And they're, in my experience, really, really stupid animals just because <laughs> they – I mean, I, and I think that's – uh, in large part, why you always see them dead on the side of the road is is that they're not they're not real bright. Because uh, you know my dog, we we I'd walk my dog at night when you see a lot of armadillos come out, and you know I'd try to give them a try to give them a hint, you know, hey, run, get out, get out of the way. There's a big dog coming, and, and you know they they're rather oblivious to it. Yeah, I I tried to try to convince my boss that uh, an office armadillo would be a good idea. He he declined. So, um, I also, Eric, I have a big announcement on the running front. I don't know if I told you this, but I officially signed up to run in the Bayshore Marathon here on Memorial Day weekend. Whoa, whoa. Uh, I'm announcing plans to buy a sticker to put on the back. (laughs) I'm not going to do any running. I'm just going to get a sticker. They don't check. So I for sure will not be getting the sticker. Oh, you got to get a sticker. No. Come on. How are good? How will everyone know? I don't want them to know. It's just between me and the road and all of you. You're required to either have a sticker or a stick figure family on the back of your vehicle. (laughs) 
The thing about the stick figure family is it's gone too far the other way where now there's people that are making the, true. There's too many of the people that say, I don't care about your stick figure family that mm -hmm. I want the sticker that says, I don't care that you don't care about their stick mm. figure family. Yeah. It's like the meta honor student bumper stickers. You know, it's, it's swung the other way. Yeah. In all serious note, seriously, I'm going to start that again. Okay. In all seriousness, I'm proud of you, Hall. Thanks. I think you can do this. We're going to be cheering you on. That's a, a marathon is an accomplishment. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like I run a lot. I might as well like do the running thing while I'm in shape. You know what I mean? You should. So. That's cool. All right, we have two bits of other business quickly from Twitter. Our buddy Jacob Skronik asked if Mikey Matuk is actually Matt Tuiasasopo wearing a mask. I'll direct this one to you, Evan, because you're a little closer to the source. <laughs> I'd have to get. I'd have to get a mental image of Tuiasasopo, which I can't do right now, uh, or I can't Google it fast enough. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't believe so. But I'll, I'll look further into it. All right, you hear that, Fair. Jake? Probably, probably not, but not definitely not. Um, and finally, Brandon Reddy suggests that the Flaming Hot Frito, do you see this, guys, that was yeah. shaped like Harambe that sold for $100,000 on eBay <laughs> should be our new show mascot. Um, I don't hate that. You got a extra hundred gur lying around there, Hall? I can confirm that I was not the one that purchased that. We should buy it with the podcast proceeds. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's <laughs> any left after you so exorbitantly spend it all on Spotify, but living a life of luxury. Um, Evan, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was uh, great stuff. We appreciate you spending um, a, a ton of time with us. Yeah. Um, we will all follow you on Twitter at Evan Woodbury. Um, and in Spanish, because Thailand yes. news is just more fun when you have to use your basic understanding in Spanish to try and decode what's being said. All right, I have this written down. It's at Evan W underscore en Espanol. Correct. And honestly, I'm, I'm a Spanish learner, so I've encouraged people that actually do speak Spanish to follow me and give friendly advice because uh, – and, and people, some people have already, which is very helpful, so – I'm, uh, I think that's an you know, awesome thing you're doing. That's a cool project. I, I it, it's, uh, you know, I've, Major League Baseball has encouraged a lot of uh, Spanish language uh, media. You know, there's a lot more Spanish language media covering baseball than there were just a few years ago. And so I've met a lot of folks on the road. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a good way of, of following them is, is keeping tabs on, on uh, Spanish, Spanish language baseball writing. You know, I, one thing I've observed is even if you don't speak much Spanish, watch an interview with Miguel Cabrera responding in Spanish because you have a certain perception of Miguel Cabrera. Uh, you know, Nate, English is not his first language and you get a certain perception of him, but you see him responding in Spanish. And it's it's almost like a different type of not personality, but you get a different flavor for who this guy is. And I think that that's really interesting to remember the, these guys. um yeah, they're 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 learning it on the go too. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even you know, even if you've spoken a, a new language for years, I mean, there are still nuances and intricacies and uh, you know idioms that are are. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think of K Rod after one of his games, uh, he he made some comment. Uh, it was after a blown save, actually, but he he made some comment along because how how do you guys say it? It's 
it's not it's not my first rodeo, you know, which I'm sure is, a, is an idiom that makes no sense at all in Spanish. Right. But but, you know, something that he picked up on. And, and you know, he's yeah. obviously a, a great English speaker and has yeah. been here a long time. But, you know, even after many years, there, there are still idioms and, and uh, you know, bizarre intricacies of every language that that still are, are you still learn along the way. And quite yeah. frankly, English is just a train wreck to begin with anyway. Oh, from a pronunciation standpoint, I mean, this, the silent letters and, I mean, the, the weird spellings. Oh, yeah, it's it's not easy. If you want to get in touch with uh, us, you can at podcastianos.com. On Twitter, I am at JordanHall23. Eric is at Comeric Eric, and the show is at Podcastianos. Once again, my fire emoji uh, Twitter or Instagram account, at Jordino4. Um, and we would love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever other platform you are listening to the show on. We are back now. Um, we'll record this coming Monday with Matt Sussman. That should be exciting and fun. Um, and once again, Evan, thank you so much for gracing us with, with your time and your voice. And hope you have a, a great season. And hope we all have great seasons. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. And we will thank catch you. We'll catch you guys next week. Eric, you have to say goodbye. Oh, I'm out of form. I'm rusty. <laughs> goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.